1: Welcome to the college football survivor show where playoff survival is always on the line. Here are your co-hosts, Doug Lay Maurice and Shahan Jeharaja. And we're back on the college football survivor show. It's Doug and Shahan and we're keeping it light and breezy. But also Shahan, we want to make a point with this podcast. And what we are doing is we're doing coach swap. We are taking coaches and saying, it's not that you're not good where you are. I'm not saying we think you should leave. But if you did, where else might you fit? Where could you be even better? Where could you be more interesting or weirder or crazier? And the reason, Shahan, that I think this is worth doing is because if we did this two years ago, you know what's one of the things that we would have done? I'm pretty sure. I think we would have said something like, you know what would be crazy? What if you took Lincoln Riley? And you took that offensive acumen and you put him in the shiny lights of Los Angeles, right? That's why we, you know, what we had done two years ago. We would have said, you know, it would make a lot of sense if you took Mario Cristobal and you sent him home and you moved him from Oregon to Miami, you know, what we could have said two years ago. What if, what if Brian Kelly at Notre Dame feels like, man, I'm a really good coach, but can I really get over the top at Notre Dame? What if you gave Brian Kelly like a place where he could let it rip and dance and do accents. What if we said, and you would have said something like, Doug, I have something crazy. I'm going to send Brian Kelly to LSU. And I would have said, Sean, you're crazy. (laughs) Right. But here we are. That's two years ago. That's why I want to do this because two years from now, we may say something that sounds crazy today that comes true.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that we are at a point right now where, uh, you know, the conversation has always been about coaches at these mid-tier programs or maybe lower tier programs getting their coaches poached by big time programs. I think we are entering the moment of big time programs deciding that they need to hire coaches from other big time programs to to one up them. Right. Because we have this example, Oklahoma had not lost a coach to another college program since 1947 and then USC walks in the door and apparently provides brighter lights uh, for Lincoln Riley we have Notre Dame the probably the greatest individual program in the history of college football and the coach they're saying I'm gonna go live in Baton Rouge Louisiana instead that's I think a better idea for what I want to accomplish so It's fascinating. It's a a new era, I think, in a lot of ways. I'm going to be curious long term to see if this is a trend or if this ends up just being a blip. But I'll tell you what, one thing to kind of argue against it being a blip is that Lincoln Riley and Brian Kelly did a heck of a job in their first seasons at these new schools. So I think that this is going to become a trend. So by my
1: count, looking at the 65, back then it was 65, now it's 69. Power five jobs two years ago. There are five guys who moved Power 5 jobs by choice. Brian Kelly, Lincoln Riley, Mario Cristobal, Jeff Braum from mm-hmm. Purdue to Louisville, which we would also have done two years ago because he Easy. played at Louisville, and Scott Satterfield from Louisville to Cincinnati, right? So that's there are another 19 guys who were head coaches at one of the Power 5 schools two years ago at this time who no longer are, not by choice, that's, that's five moved by choice, 19 not by choice, fired, retired, like that kind of thing. There's another five, because we don't only have to do power five here. There's other five guys that you would have said, hey, you know what? I could see them moving up, moving on that are interesting. For instance, you know what would have been one of those? Sonny Dykes to TCU. If we had done this two years ago, Sonny Dykes at SMU, I can, can I hear you? Fake Shahan in my headphones. The ghost of fake Shahan from two years ago saying, you know what will be interesting? If Gary Patterson's getting a little long in the tooth at TCU, I think Sonny Dykes could slide down the road and win big there. Isn't
0: that something you would have said? I'll tell you what, the only reason that I wouldn't have is because I would have thought that Gary Patterson would have burned down the program before being let go. That was unbelievable how that happened. I'm surprised that the the stadium is still standing, to be quite honest. And uh, let us not forget, Gary Patterson is a living, formerly active coach who had a statue on campus during his time while he was still the head coach he looked out of his office window and saw a statue of himself that's a so that's the only thing that would have held me up but uh but i think that once we realized that that was going to finally come to an end yeah i mean Sonny dykes can basically do everything he did at smu but even better at tcu so five guys
1: moved up that aren't necessarily power five guys that I'm thinking of. Jamie Chadwell from coastal Carolina to Liberty. We would have looked at Jamie Chadwell and said, I, I could put that guy somewhere else, right? Billy Napier, Louisiana to Florida. I think we could have envisioned that. Sonny Dykes, as I said, Hugh Freeze from Liberty to Auburn. Like that, we would have seen that. And Luke Fickle from Cincinnati to Wisconsin two years ago, we would have been saying to ourselves, you know what? Is Luke Fickle, can't you see him at a big 10 school? And we would have been saying, well, it turned down Michigan State. So where is he going to go? Where could it – well, we put him at Penn State because we would put James Franklin somewhere else. Maybe, but like Luke Fickle to Wisconsin, maybe wouldn't have seen exactly that. would have seen something like that. So that's why this is not just like a fanciful, dugs out of ideas, what else should we do kind of thing. We're Whoa, trying well, to well, – uh, I
0: don't know. A little, little bit of this, a little bit of that.
1: I was driving <laughs> my daughter back to college and I may have said in the car – Do you have any podcast ideas? So that may have come up (laughs) with her, but I did come up with this all by myself. So I do think like, that's why we want to do it because you're always on the lookout. I can remember writing something many years ago about like, sort of like the home run hires for different schools. Right. And I just thought like, that was a time I think even when Scott Frost was still at Oregon, it's like Scott Frost is the home run hire for Nebraska. I think it was pre Jim Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh is the home run hire for Michigan. So you, again, we could, we could be ADs. We, you see these things coming sometimes. So maybe some of these are things that we actually think could happen. Maybe some of these are things we think will never happen, but we want to talk about it anyway. And I think a couple of them – I have at least two schools where I just think I'm looking to give them more interesting coaches and what might that look like ideally. So we're going to do all of that next on the College Football Survivor Show. The College Football Survivor Show, where playoff survival is always on the line. All right, Shahan, you're smarter, so we'll lead off
0: with you. Swap. Swap a coach to somewhere else in college football. So, I'm going to go with one of these big swing type things. So there's a coach who I think hasn't elevated himself to being elite but everybody knows what he can do. He's at a program that I don't think that that's like maybe borderline elite. And maybe I think that in the right situation, he could be more than he is. I'm going to take James Franklin from Penn States. And I am going to drop him in the backyard of the program who he just beat the last two years. I'm going to take James Franklin and move him to Auburn. So, so here's the deal. First of all, I think that Auburn, you look at their last search. Like, it, come on, right? Like, we were we were in this thing where they were clamoring for Lane Kiffin and then didn't get Lane Kiffin, so they got Hugh Freeze. And, like, you know, we'll see how long Hugh Freeze lasts. But I think that Jane Franklin would be a home run hire. They haven't had a home run hire in a hot minute. I think that they are going to be entering an SEC where they are going to be competing so much in the middle class that they are going to need to try to get a sure thing. And the thing that I like about it is that you know, James Franklin's done a great job of recruiting to Penn State, but I would like to see him in a recruiting center. I would like to see him in the Southeast. You know, the, the rumor for the longest time was USC because of what he might be able to do from a recruiting perspective in Los Angeles. I think that putting him in one of these championship caliber SEC jobs would be fascinating. I think that he'd be able to really compete. I mean, look, I'm not saying that he's going to compete with with Alabama and and Georgia necessarily from a recruiting perspective. But I think that he would get Auburn into that six, seven range. I think that he would put them right in contention for the number three talent uh, program in the SEC And I think that you know when you talk about Auburn's resources, I think he'd be able to hire whoever he wanted. I think he'd be able to land one of these top-end quarterbacks like he did at Penn State. I think that he'd be able to build a more robust uh, offensive line than what he's had at Penn State. I just think that the upside is there if James Franklin were to go there. So this
1: is one of the two programs I was talking about. I'm very interested in getting a home run hire to Auburn. And when you think about... The Auburn head coaches in the Nick Saban era. The very end of Tommy Tuberville, then Gene Chiswick, Gus Malzahn, Brian Harson, and now Hugh Freeze. And Auburn's been competitive. That's the thing of it is like Auburn is not getting beat 10 straight years like Michigan was against Ohio State for a while there. This is an Auburn program that's winning like three out of 10 against the greatest coaching college football history in the greatest modern dynasty in the sport. And Auburn's hanging with those guys. What if you got a dude and why shouldn't they be able to do this? So I'm going to throw you two more names. Okay. Along the lines of James Franklin. The first one is Mike Gundy as somebody who has succeeded while being the, in the shadows of a more traditional powerhouse program. Oklahoma State to Oklahoma, Auburn to Alabama. I think Mike Gundy, you let him go in and take a swing there. And he seems that over the years, he has been interested at times and maybe poking around somewhere else. So I think that – and I think Mike Gundy, James Franklin, we're dancing on the same dance floor here. And then the other one, and I said this at the time, is Coach Pride. And it's (laughs) not just because of the athletic commercials. It's not just because of the athletic commercials. but. What if you really just somebody who is a force of nature in the same way that Nick Saban is a force of nature, but with a different style? What would that be like in that state, head to head in recruiting every day on TV for the, for the headlines, right? For the attention of the state, not just on the last Saturday in November. But 365, so I think Franklin and Gundy could raise the level of the Auburn program to compete on the last Saturday in November. And maybe Hugh Fries will do the same. I think Coach <laughs> Prime is bringing it 365 in a way that few others could.
0: So I, I like the thought process The. So with with Prime, I think there's no question he would get Auburn up to being a top four recruiter in the country. They would be absolutely insane off the walls. My question about Gundy that I think extends a little bit to Prime as well is that Auburn, administratively, Booster Corps is a mess. Like they are, they are a headache when you're talking about those guys. I think that you need somebody who knows how to navigate those waters. And I... <laughs> I think Mike Gundy's a fantastic coach. Like I think that he's one of the most underrated coaches of the past of the 21st century, I think that you would argue. I also think that he is so set in his ways in 2023 that maybe he would just be a total headache and a flameout by the time that uh, that he got to a place like Auburn. I could be wrong. But like we saw the conflict with t Boone Pickens. We saw the conflict with former athletic directors. He kind of has one of his guys in now, so he doesn't really complain as much. But that that would be a concern for me. You know, so I think with Coach Prime, like if you got Coach Prime, let's just say hypothetically that he Freeze doesn't work out, that it ends as a disaster and you're kind of bringing a new administration, all that sort of stuff. I think that that would be the perfect time. Like if you had hired Coach Prime right now, I think that maybe this is the perfect time for him to come in and say, Hey everybody, it's Coach Prime University now, like, let's go do the thing. But, like, you have to get him at, I think, exactly the right time. You got to get him at a point, I think, when you're desperate in some way so that you'll actually, like, hand over the program to him. Because that's that's the big question about Auburn is do you need a full-on politician there?
1: Yeah. No, I think it's, I think it's an interesting conversation. And it's one of these things where I think we made it clear that we're not in love with Hugh Freeze-Hire. But this is, like, a credit to Auburn. We want more from Auburn. Yeah. We think Auburn has more, can be more than it has been, and it's, it's a program with a national title this century, which not a whole lot of programs can say. So we just want even more, and you would be fascinated. It, I just really think to try to, to try to like match Saban, but contrast him at the same time. I just think like again, you could you could get really interesting with something like that. Okay, I'm going to take a big swing here as well. Okay, and. This is also slightly Saban related because however many years ago it was, Nick Saban had a little dance with another big time program, right? We got to talk Texas.
0: We got to talk
1: Texas. We got to talk Texas.
0: Isn't this a playoff show? I don't know why we need to talk Texas. Favorite. It's my favorite. So the question
1: is, you look at Texas, right? The history of Texas. They hired Steve Sarkeesian, who had once upon a time been the head coach at USC, but haven't been a head coach for a while. Uh, before that Tom Herman had been the head coach at Houston, Charlie strong had been the head coach at Louisville before he came Mack Brown had been the head coach at North Carolina that worked out pretty well. John Makovic had been the head coach at Illinois that didn't work out quite as well. Um, Daryl Royal was the head coach at Mississippi state and Washington before he came to Texas and became a legend. So I'm interested in Texas hiring a guy from a, Pretty darn good program. Even better than Houston, even better than Louisville. Better than Houston? Oh, my gosh. Better than what? Wow.
0: Oh, my gosh.
1: Even better. And let's not make this guy wait any longer. And let's not make this guy follow a legend. Let's not make this guy go to his alma mater. Let's let him spread his wings. And let's get Dabo Sweeney to Texas.
0: I have the exact same thing down. (laughs) Okay why do you have that down (laughs) okay so i want to be clear right we (laughs) when we talk about this stuff like you don't just want to throw stuff into the air right like okay you know kirby smart going to to akron like we're we're not going to do that right like we have to talk about guys who we could see conceivably leaving like where we think conceivably there could be a second act there even
1: even though i mean honestly the idea of an of an ACC coach with a national championship leaving to coach in the state of Texas would never happen except that it already happened with Jimbo (laughs) Fisher. But other than that, it could never happen except this would be the exact same thing.
0: (laughs) So, so here's what I like about it. One, I think that you look at Texas's coaching search in 2020 and Like, and I think the Steve Sarkeesian hire was fine. I don't think that there was anything wrong with it. I don't think he's been very successful and I don't really think he's going to be there long-term, but like, I, I don't think it was a bad hire, but my thing is look at all the programs who made coaching hires in 2021 and then compare that to Texas hiring a mediocre coordinator. Like, you know, it's just, it does not feel like the kind of hire that the university of Texas should be making. And yeah. I think that certainly Dabo Swinney would be, obviously. I mean, two-time national championship coach. Uh, You know, we're going to, I'm sure at some point this offseason, we'll do uh, sort of a playoff coach ranking thing again. Like, Dabo is at worst three. Like, at worst three. So, like, big, big, big big-time coach. I think that he would be really perfect for what Texas needs, which is a politician. Somebody's going to rally the troops. Somebody's going to make people feel involved in the program, make people feel included in the program. I, I'll tell you one thing, Dabo Swinney would absolutely uh, get his players to sing The Eyes of Texas, which they would absolutely love. Uh, no, and then I think that, you know, with Dabo Swinney, you're talking about somebody who I think would come into the state of Texas and do a really good job. So those are all the reasons why I think that that Texas would clearly want somebody like Dabo Swinney. I think the reason that Dabo would consider this job or or any job one, you know, the, the guy who kind of helped build Clemson from an athletic administration perspective just left to go to Miami, Jan- Dan Radakovich. He was a huge part of what they were doing there. His defensive coordinator just left to become the head coach at Oklahoma in Brent Venables. I, I think he made a great hire in Garrett Riley, of course, to uh, to have a chance um, to to, you know, to maybe flip things around at Clemson. But this is not the same Clemson... Uh, from a DNA perspective that it was five years ago. Not that it can't get back there, but like he's not leaving what he's built the same way as maybe if he had left in like 2018. I think that there are going to be questions about what Clemson can be long-term in this era. Right. I, I mean, like you mentioned, the ACC is maybe about to get left behind from a monetary perspective and Florida state's being much louder about it, but Clemson certainly has those same questions and same issues. Uh, I think that maybe he's accomplished almost all he can accomplish at Clemson. He's still a very young coach. 53. 53. Very very young coach. I could see him just being ready to move on. Uh I guess the one thing that I maybe didn't take into account that would would uh, hold him against this is I uh, I don't know if I could see Dabo Swinney being excited to move his family to Austin, Texas, but you know, uh that that would that's something that he could work out. He he'd don't worry. He could uh, he could stay up the road in Waco. I'm sure that they can find him a place up there. He's gonna love it there. But but you know. But I do think that seriously, um, you know, this is the kind of swing that would tell me that Texas is like wants to act like Texas again. You're supposed to be the richest program in college football, and you hired a coordinator that that comes off of a system. Right. Like imagine if they hired Mike Loxley to, to do this exact same thing. Imagine if I mean, Lane Kiffin even wouldn't have even have been a bad hire. But like, imagine if they hired Lane Kiffin. Lane Kiffin got the FAU job. Mike Loxley got the Maryland job and then Texas hired the next guy. Like, it's just it's it's weird. And, and I think that they need to make a swing whenever the Sarkeesian hire inevitably doesn't work out. And Dabas when he feels like the perfect candidate. So
1: it's 2015. When uh, Nick Saban reportedly had a little uh, dance with Texas, right, and and that that idea, like that, they have not come back and 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 landed somebody to that scale. And and what else could you do? How could you match Saban? Dabo's the only boy. Only I mean Kirby, but Kirby's not. Kirby Smart's not going anywhere. How could you do it, Dabo? I do think Dabo obviously is very his faith is very important to them and to him. And the idea that like you could go, I think. Your point about Austin is taken, but Texas generally, I think you can go there and I think you can like, I'm not even being like spread the gospel of Dabo, right? Like like yeah. tell people not just how I think you should win football games, but how I think you should go about trying to be a good person, right? And that idea is an even bigger platform for something like that. He's entering his 15th full season at Clemson. How could it get any better? How could it get any better then going toe-to-toe with Alabama in the middle of that dynasty, then winning a national championship with Sean Watson, winning a national championship with Trevor Lawrence. You can only match that. You're never going to get better than that. And it just got harder to be better than that because Kirby Smart's not that far down the road, and he's got it humming. It also, I didn't even think of the fact that you create this Texas-Oklahoma rivalry with Dabo and Venables sure, who sure. worked together for so long, which brings a little juice to that. But it's the idea of you're making a move. It's a new challenge. You're leading Texas into a new era. Whatever Texas has been in the past, Texas and the SEC is a different animal. And so – You can forge a new identity. There are new opportunities there. I think this would be a very attractive thing. And why wouldn't Texas want to go in peaking? Now I'm on alert. Now, see, this feels like the kind of thing that we could in a year be like we called it. Because if Sark struggles – and say Sark struggles and say, like, maybe like there's some weird Quinn Ewers, Arch Manning stuff. And you, oh my gosh, we have two good quarterbacks. And how did we do this? There's hard feelings or whatever. And now you're going to the SEC and Texas just says, we're going in big. It I, doesn't sound crazy to me. So best of luck to Cecil Arkeesian. They've got some, again, the guys recruiting quarterbacks. So that's great. But I, I, I just think there's a, this is what we're looking for in an exercise like this. And if Lincoln Riley, can go to USC, why can't Dabo Sweeney go to Texas? Other than like, well, I don't think that would happen. I think he's going to stay his whole career at Clemson. Guys look for challenges, man. Guys look for challenges. So, okay, we agreed on that. Give me another one,
0: Sean. We're going to stay kind of in the state of Texas. Um, so my first two that I, that I really came up with, with Dabo to Texas and James Franklin to Auburn, I was really focusing more on the program. This one is about the coach. So you mentioned it. We just saw sort of a soft launch of a firing weird situation with Scott Satterfield leaving Louisville and ending up at Cincinnati, which seems like a very weird fit. And honestly, Cincinnati, it feels like I I don't know. I I don't get that hire whatsoever. Um, Maybe it'll work, but I, I don't get it. But if you need a coach who needs a soft launch of being fired. I'm going to stay in the state of Texas. I'm going to go down to College Station. I'm going to take Jimbo Fisher. And I'm going to drop him back in his home state of West Virginia. I love it. (laughs) We have been
1: down this road. Yeah, with trying to get Nick Saban to be there, <laughs> Nick Saban West back to Virginia. West Virginia. And,
0: yeah,
1: <laughs> and then we abandoned. We had this whole thing where we were going to like talk about how many how many programs could Nick Saban win a national title for if he yeah, went there? Yeah, if Nick Saban went to Minnesota, would he win a national title? We never quite <laughs> get there. Got there for that entire project, but that was based on Nick Saban and his West Virginia roots. But I like this better because finding a soft landing spot for a very accomplished coach who just seems to be in the wrong spot. Yeah. And I feel like he's done everything he can do there. This is the last thing. Bobby Petrino as your offensive coordinator. This is the last thing. (laughs) This This is the the ship is going down (laughs) and it's Bobby Petrino. But instead of a life preserver, he threw him a neck brace. The (laughs) neck brace is in the water. Jimbo's like, I'm going down. Bobby, here, I don't need this anymore. Here, Jimbo's like, I don't think this can support my weight. So (laughs) this feels like the kind of thing that you do that is either the thing that works and boom, here we finally see what this was supposed to be with Jimbo Fisher, Texas A&M. Or it's the last gasp and it's over. So I do feel like maybe people in West Virginia are getting a little antsy with Neil Brown. Like oh, it's fine. Not it's a not.
0: No, that's, that's not a question. They are so ready. You could pair some things up here
1: where West Virginia, this is a huge move for West Virginia. I think it's a sigh of relief for Jimbo Fisher and it restarts the clock on a new opportunity for Texas A&M. So, cause I, I, I have somebody for Texas A&M.
0: Okay, okay.
1: But I like I like where your head's at on this. And again, this to me is in the realm of, I could see this happening.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I just think, like, Jimbo does not want to be fired, right? Like, Jimbo Fisher is a national championship winning head coach who signed up for one of the weirdest opportunities in all of college football and and did take them to an Orange Bowl victory. And, and within a game of winning the SEC West, like, He's done stuff. What, what more do you want him to do? Now you've got Texan, Oklahoma coming in. That's going to suck. And sure, you have all the money in the world and all the money in the world to recruit with and all this. But, like, it's just there's something there's something in the water in College Station, man. It's just not a place that I think he wants to be for the next nine years. And if you negotiate some sort of reduced buyout and say, you know, West Virginia will help, I don't know, like – just just go enjoy yourself and like you'll have full control of that athletic department if you go to West Virginia as Jimbo Fisher like you will and why not you know and like he loves to hunt he loves to fish like get him back home get him back in the community let let him not just be like this weird static creature and let him like just be a person uh, even publicly again like, why not why not no,
1: I think it's really smart and it would make a lot of people happy. And why yes. shouldn't you try to be happy? And it's not <laughs> like you can't win at West Virginia. No, like what we, no, you can win. What are we talking about? You can win. He yeah, can, can win there. I love it. I love that one. And so let me give you a Texas A&M name. And this is actually, I'm just making you do all the work here. This is a thing <laughs> where actually I'm going to say a name and then you're going to tell me. Okay. Whether it makes sense or not. And this would work well with Dabo Sweeney going to Texas. And Jimbo leaving because now – and you have to tell me if it's the right guy. It might not be the right version of this. There might be a better version of this. But let's then give Texas A&M the Texiest Texan that ever Texas',
0: right? That kind of coach. Well, well, I, let me pause you for one second. Let me pause you for one second. Uh, I, know, I know who you're about to say, and you are correct. But here's a funnier answer. Do you know who went to Texas A&M? who was the predecessor of this wave of guys. That's right. Chad Morris. Oh, yeah. Oh, he went to Texas A&M. He went to Texas A&M.
1: Yeah, Chad Morris. No, yeah. that didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> that did not work. It did not work. So Chad Morris, who's a great high school coach, um, winds up being a, a million-dollar offensive coordinator at Clemson. Yeah. And then winds up being eventually the head coach at Arkansas, right? And it just is not the thing.
0: Not a thing. So
1: I'm going to give him Joey McGuire from Texas Tech, who has lived and coached his entire life in the state of Texas – and feels like a guy you like, but is it the right? Is there a better Texas guy to get the Texas A&M here?
0: Yeah. So, so the conversation is between Joey McGuire and Jeff Trailer, both of whom I think are awesome. And UTSA at UTSA, both of whom I think are awesome. Both of whom have already—I uh, mean, for Joey Maguire in one year, and Jeff Trailer in a couple years—have proven that they are real, legit, successful FBS head coaches. is uh, one back to back conference USA championships and by the way this upcoming year I would not be surprised at all if they sneak up and and find a way to win the American in their first year there as well so he is a real coach um as is Joey McGuire it's an interesting question so the they're kind of different they they are really good friends by the way and like i I think either would be great uh joy mcguire is like the cheerleader that's like that's his deal right he's like super positive he's he's absolutely active all the time jeff trailer's a little bit more reserved and ceo like i think i might take that more for texas a&m just because I think you do have to be a little bit more of a politician. Uh, I think Joey McGuire being at Texas Tech is perfect because it, it is so much like you got to tell people that Texas Tech is here. You know, you got to go into every high school in the state of Texas and tell them like, Texas Tech, Texas Tech, Texas Tech. I don't think you need to do that the same way with Texas A&M. Uh, I, I think that Jeff Traylor maybe is more of the sort of like culture builder. Uh, you know, I, I think he's a really creative uh X and O's coach too. You know, one of the things that I, that I love to talk about with these guys is that there's so much assumption that they're just recruiters, but like both of them won in year one before they had recruited any of the kids who are really going to be major contributors in their program. The, the other thing that they do is that they are not too proud to try anything schematically to, to feature their best guys. And I think that that's something that would be really welcome at Texas A&M where it just feels like they've gotten so stale from the perspective of coming out and, and just trying to, you know, oh, well, we run this system and we run it this way and we run it at this pace. And if you don't fit into the system, you better get out of here and we better get somebody in here who's going to fit the system. Well, like Jeff Trailer is the opposite of that. He is somebody who's going to say, what do we have here? Let me make the most of it. And so I, I would lean Traylor, uh, But I mean, you, I don't think that there's a wrong answer if you pick one of these two guys. McGuire,
1: born and raised in Texas, started as a Texas high school coach, has only coached in the state of Texas. Jeff Trailer, born and raised in Texas, started as a Texas high school coach, coached at Arkansas as an assistant for two years. That was yeah. like the only time in, he in, left. In
0: Arkansas, too, is like a borderline Texas program, just for people who don't know. It's like right it's like a six hour drive to the Metroplex. So like it it is like that was their whole thing. Cause cause he was hired by Chad Morris first at SMU, then at Arkansas. Uh so like he was hired to be Texas.
1: So that idea, I just like that idea of it. And it's a little bit to me what did work successfully for Ohio State in hiring Jim Tressel, who was as Ohio as Ohio got. Born and raised in Ohio, had coach in Ohio, super successful at Youngstown State in the state of Ohio. Now you go get the, the best guy in the state of Ohio who's winning, right? Who's being a successful coach. Can he make a jump? Joey McGuire and Jeff Trailer are being successful coaches. Can they make a jump? And I do think if we're creating this world post Jimbo, I think you want to come back home. Texas A&M took its big big swing. So now I think you take sort of a – I don't want to downgrade those two guys because I think you certainly are describing two coaches who have a chance to be successful there. But don't go – Texas A&M after Jimbo wouldn't go hire Chip Kelly – Right, Right. I mean, it's like, hey, let's do the opposite, which is a guy who worked his way up through this state, knows the state through and through, has built those relationships, and maybe Texas A&M is no longer doing NIL and getting the number one recruiting class in the country, but maybe they're getting a lot of really good Texas high school players to come play at Texas A&M. So I think, again, this does not – does this sound impossible to you?
0: No, I I don't think this sounds impossible. I think think if they do move on from Jimbo Fisher, especially, by the way, because Jimbo Fisher has really started to nationalize recruiting, I wouldn't be shocked if they bring in somebody who just can double down on Texas, especially if they start missing on a couple of these Texas kids.
1: Okay, I'm going to slide in two other quick ones really quick. And that is I'm going to take East Carolina's Mike Houston. Okay. And I'm going to send him to Houston and i'm going to take san diego oh. san diego state's brady hoke and send him to virginia tech
0: <laughs> all right all right let's let's hear the reasoning right right they're the hokies right oh my gosh I, I was waiting to I was waiting to see where you were going with it. I know I wasn't going to be happy about it. Uh, unfortunately, it, it also fits Virginia Tech because he is an all defensive coach who coaches no offense whatsoever. So actually, uh, that that might actually be perfect. Do you think it's inappropriate to hire a coach just for the pun, or could it work? I, I mean, I will say, uh, you know, it is it is unfortunate. There have been two very high profile players named Baylor, neither of whom picked Baylor. One of them, Baylor Cup, who went to Texas A&M and transferred to Texas Tech to Joey McGuire after he left Baylor. And then the other was the Creighton player, Baylor Shireman, who I can't remember where he started his career. But uh, but he was in the transfer portal last year, did not pick Baylor. So I don't know. We do need to have one of these at some point. Right.
1: I also, several years ago at the NFL Combine, spent a lot of time interviewing Boise State offensive lineman Ezra Cleveland and trying to figure out if he would have been the first player named Cleveland to be drafted by a team in Cleveland. And I tried to will that into
0: existence, and then he just got drafted by the Vikings. So I um, (laughs) am... There's a couple of Clevelands, this, isn't there? Like a Ben Cleveland was an old Georgia guard who I think is in the NFL now. I don't know. There's a, there's a couple. Why get get him? Let's make this
1: happen. I also wrote a story one time about how on National Signing Day there are at least some people out there who accidentally type National Singing Day, right? So I looked to see if there was a National Singing Day. And if they got any kind of hype or like promotional bump from National Signing Day. And there wasn't a National Singing Day, but there was a World Singing Day. So I wrote a story on National Signing Day about World Singing Day and nobody read it. (laughs) So anyway. (laughs) It's not how I thought this story was going to end. I like I was talking to some guy in Switzerland who invented National Singing Day. And I was like, well, you know, it's a football thing and they sign their name and it's signing and people transpose the letters. And I was like, this is gold. This is my ticket to the top. (laughs) Crickets. (laughs) So good luck. Mike Houston to Houston. I don't know. East Carolina to Houston. That could happen. So we'll see what we can do. And uh, if Virginia Tech needs a coach anytime in the near future, you know where to look. All right. Last break, and then we'll come back and do some more real ones. I have my other school where I want to find a new coach. If you've listened to this podcast, I bet you can guess which school it is. We'll do it next on the College Football Survivor Show. The College Football Survivor Show, where playoff survival is always on the line. All right, Shahan, you have another real one because you're like a real football person?
0: I don't know. I don't listen to this podcast, so I'm uh, I'm curious what your answer is. No, 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 I'm going to save it. I'm teasing them still. It's a big (laughs) giant, can drop a boom right on people's heads. Okay. So there are two guys who I guess I would kind of conflate together. And I don't feel like I have an ideal spot for them, but I I need somebody to take a Chadwell. Like, how is Jamie Chadwell not a Power Five head coach right now? That is insane to me. I know that South Carolina made a hire in Shane Beamer that ultimately did work out. So, you know, it's not as bad as maybe it could have been. But how is Jamie Chadwell not a head coach at this point? It is absolutely, or a, a, a Power 5 head coach at this point. Yeah, He just took the job at Liberty. I think that a big part of that is he sees Hugh Freeze go and, and get a better job and thinks maybe this is my ticket to it. I think that unfortunately that just is about Hugh Freeze. But he will make more money. <laughs> He's going to make a lot more money at Liberty than he was able to at Coastal Carolina. So I, I think that I need I, I need to find him a place where he can be different um i'm hesitant to just see here's where it gets difficult because like when you put somebody in one place it implies that the other guy is not going to work out right like that's the, right. the assumption of it but like this dude is south Carolina as hell like south carolina as absolute hell and i think that he would be incredible at South Carolina. I think that he would come in and run this offense with even better players. Like, seriously, I, I think that the the status like Jamie Chadwell has coached, I think, except for a stint at East Tennessee State, basically everything else has been in the state of South Carolina. Like he is he he did one year actually as a head coach at Delta State and then left and came back to South Carolina. Like he is South Carolina as it gets and I think that they would absolutely love him there. You know, obviously he he won people over uh, at Coastal Carolina by doing the mullet and by having fun. But he's a smart dude as well. He, he definitely, I think, is somebody who would win over uh, SEC people as well. I think that he'd become like a great figurehead for South Carolina. Now, this would take Shane Beamer, I think, leaving for, for a different job because I don't think he's going to get fired because I think that Shane Beamer is also doing an awesome job. But I would absolutely yeah. love to see Jamie Chadwell at South Carolina.
1: Well, if Brady Hoke doesn't take the Virginia Tech job, Shane Beamer <laughs> could go there. There you go. There you like, go. Right. <laughs> Easy solution. I like that. I like looking for spots for guys like that. And I think, again, we, we've seen these guys move. I think it's, it's very realistic when you think about guys moving up. There's a couple guys that I want to ask you about that I don't have the right spot for them. But sure. I'm curious if you would be curious. Would you want to see them somewhere else or would it feel – sacrilegious to see them somewhere else. Sure. They're not exactly the same, but they're similar. Troy Calhoun at Air Force, he's 56 years old. He's been at Air Force for 16 years. He's 121 and 78. Air Force is a really good football program, and he's done a really good job. And then the turbo version of that is Kyle Whittingham at sure. Utah, who's six, 63 years old, has been at Utah for 19 years. He's 154 and 74. I was trying to think of what this would be. This is a scooch like Chris Peterson leaving Boise State to go to Washington. But Chris Peterson was only the head coach of Boise State, I think, for like eight years. And he was not yet 50 when he left. So he wasn't – these guys are basically twice as entrenched. They're a decade plus older. They've been there twice as long as Peterson was. And like did that work? Would Chris Peterson go back and do it again? Because he was good at Washington. He wasn't – spectacular at Washington. And then he kind of had his fill. And if he had stayed at Boise state, would he be, you know, approaching two decades at Boise state still being awesome, still being everybody's spoiler, still being a 10 win team that now in the 12 team playoff would have a path to the playoff. I'm not saying he made a mistake or that he regrets it, but like, I don't know. Could he have stayed and been even more successful and maybe even happier so when you hear Whittingham and Calhoun, do you think ah oh, that's interesting, or do you feel like no, 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 leave them be?
0: So, I'm I'm definitely a no on Whittingham. I think that Whittingham needs to retire at Utah. Like he has just been there so much of his life and is so integral. And and he like you mentioned is also getting up there in age. I think that we are much closer to just seeing a Whittingham retirement probably than than him moving to another job. The so and I would actually mix Calhoun in a little bit with uh with Jeff Monken the army coach because I think that both of them are coaches who have taken these programs to to really high heights they've done a great job with these two programs and I think the other part of this too is that there is this implicit assumption that if these guys took another job they'd run the option there and I don't think that's the case. I I don't think that these guys are only entrenched option guys. That's what you have to run when you're at a service academy. But these guys are people who institute great culture, I think have actually within the bounds of the option been really creative. Uh, I I think that especially Air Force, I mean, the the, offense Air Force runs is actually a lot of fun. And I'd love to see it with three hundred pound linemen instead of two hundred forty pound linemen. i think that it would actually have a chance to be really special so i would like one of these two guys let's say uh to go somewhere and make make something happen you know for me i i again i if i want if i saw them leave i would not want them to be option coaches so that's probably Front of mind of uh, for when I'm trying to uh, identify them somewhere because like if you're saying option coach you're like go to Vanderbilt or go to you know somewhere you know like you're you're saying you're gonna drop them in one of the worst jobs and I don't think that they necessarily need that. I
1: I've always been interested in that though. We saw Paul Johnson do it at Georgia Tech. I I would like to see somebody take the option to the next step above that. So what would that be? I think that's the next step. I always said like Indiana should hire an option coach in the Big Ten. Like what are you doing? You're never gonna. Be more than mediocre, trying to do the same thing everybody else does. Be crazy. Be the team that nobody wants to play. But maybe, like what you're saying, Indiana, Georgia Tech, Vanderbilt, what maybe the step above that, not Penn State, not Old Miss, right? Not quite, but. But the 30th best program in the country instead of the 50th best program, I'm still interested in that. But I also would like to see these guys. It's easy for them to get pigeonholed. You make a very good point there.
0: Yeah. And and I think that for me, what I'd be interested in is I think that they would run sort of a Chadwell like offense in if they were in the south, for example. Right. If you're at Ole Miss, I don't think that they're going to Paul Johnson it. Right. Paul Johnson is like what Mike Leach was. Right. Where it's like they run the pure uncut version of everything. Most of these coaches who coach in this tree don't do that. I actually would be in some ways curious to see uh, a Todd uh, – not Todd Monken, Jeff Monkin at – at georgia tech you know doing stuff that's maybe a little bit more creative where you're still taking advantage of some atlanta Town, but also working within some of your limitations i think that that would be some fun especially since they really seem to mail in this past hire which is a whole other conversation but uh you know so so i think that i would be interested in something like that certainly i would have been curious if coach prime didn't take the job with a with a Uh, a troy calhoun taking over a place like colorado i think that would have made a lot of sense and again i think you would have probably seen something in between uh what what they what uh they do at air force and maybe what you see from some of these option coaches in the southeast so one thing i'm curious about from your perspective is i i tried to think of programs that i felt like just needed a facelift and maybe coaches who could do it like the whole bottom third of the big 10 just feels so pointless to me right now. Like, is there a program that could change its lot in life? Like, I mean, I'm talking about obviously Northwestern, you know, I mean, Fitzgerald has done a great job in the past, but like, is something going to change? Can Rutgers change? Can Indiana change? Like what does even success look like, especially now that you're about to add two teams from California?
1: Yeah. I mean, it is hard. I do think, you know, you look at Greg Schiano, and like, that's the best version of what Rutgers can do, right? You look at Pat Fitzgerald, that's the best version of what Northwestern right. can do. But those two guys know those two programs so intimately, right. like if they can't do it, who's going to do it? I think Mike Loxley at Maryland is the right guy on that sure. spot and they've had some real success. Definitely. You know, I think PJ Fleck at Minnesota has been the right guy. I think, right. I don't even know that I necessarily agree that the bottom of the big 10, I think like Brett Bielema at Illinois is the right guy. I think Matt Rule at Nebraska. I like that swing. Ryan Walters at Purdue. I mean, they just had a guy who was really. I think Brom checked a lot of boxes, but I think Ryan Walters is a younger guy, a defensive side of the ball, just had great success as an Illinois defensive coordinator. I like that swing. So, but I, I am very curious. It takes a bold AD. I'm looking for somebody. I, I that I feel like that's what I would do. If I got hired at the ninth best program in any power five conference, I'd be looking weird. Yeah. I'd be looking different. And so like, let me throw you a name Sure. that I don't, again, don't have attached somewhere. Tyson Helton at Western Kentucky. Sure. The brother of Clay Helton. Yes. Right. They bring in Bailey Zappi. They throw it around. They have the guy this year. What's his name? Uh, he, Austin He was Reed. great last year. Reed, Austin Reed. They chuck it. They chuck it. They chuck it. Right. It's a, it's an air raid version Can we – like, a guy like that, can you give that guy to a program and say, let's try to inject some juice, all right? At Western Kentucky, they're leading the nation in passing yards. Let's try
0: this the next step up. The thing I'm – I mean, this (laughs) – I don't want this to devolve into 15 minutes on Tyson Helton. Like, I think it's so hard for me to to identify – What's his role exactly in all of this? You know, because because Zach Kitley was like the guy on offense in 2021 with Bailey Zappi, like that was him. But then they were still good in 2022. They found coaches who made sense. Uh, I, I'm trying to remember who the uh, the offensive coordinator was there last year, but they did a good job, right? Like you said, they drew Hollingshed. Uh He he was okay. He was at Mississippi State, so he's also from like the Air Raid tree uh, from under under Mike Leach. So. It's hard for me to tell what's Tyson Helton being fun and like what's. I mean, he hires good assistants and he recruits well of transfers, so I guess you have to give him that. Well, uh, so, so I just say, but but as a head coach, you allow it.
1: You create the environment for it. So they were second in the nation in passing yards last year. They were first the year before. So whatever it is, like I think this is good. Let's get a guy who can run it and a quarterback who can execute it. And let's take it
0: to, like, where? like Indiana. Let's take it to Indiana. Let's take it to Indiana and see what happens. Yeah, because Indiana... I said this when we talked about uh, when we did the Big Ten show. Like, they just feel like such a pointless program like right now. Like, I don't understand that what That is like
1: doing. the meanest way to describe I know, something. I, that's like, why do you exist?
0: It, and that's how much it hurts, is that I'm just like – you're getting paid a lot of money to just exist, like just to exist, just because like you happen to be in the state of Indiana right now. And I know you can do better than this and not Purdue's lapping you. Come on guys. Yeah. Come on. We got to step up. Uh Okay. I, I do have one actually staying in the Midwest and I'm, I'm curious what you think about this. And again, I want to emphasize me slotting somebody there does not mean that I think that the coach that's there is going to fail. We're just slotting guys. So Y'all know that obviously I, I am a Baylor alum and frankly, the only thing that I really care about from the perspective of Baylor alum is like, I just love guys with cool vibes and Matt rule had a cool vibe and Dave Aranda has a cool vibe and I'd love him to coach there forever. That's why you're my podcast co-host. <laughs> You were just something about me. Just (laughs) It's just good vibes. Like, I don't, you know, at this point, I don't really care if if Baylor, like, wins or loses at this point. You know, it's like, I'll text my friends about it or whatever, but I don't really care. Like, in in some ways, Dave Aranda going seven and six or six and seven was very exciting because it means he's just going to stick around for a few more years. But I do think eventually Dave Aranda does leave. And I'm curious what you think about this fit. I think he might be a lot of fun at Notre Dame. I I think that he might be the perfect sort of personality, introspection, uh, the the perfect kind of figurehead for that program. I think he'd really maximize uh, what they do there. I'd be curious, obviously, about the recruiting stuff because I think he's a good recruiter, not an elite recruiter. But I do think that he just builds strong programs. And I think that Notre Dame would be a place that would feel very lucky to have somebody like Dave Aranda.
1: And I do think, right, if we're trying to live a little bit in the real world there, um, you know, he had been at Wisconsin for a couple of years. That was sort of a stretch. You know, he's he's from California. He's been all over the place. He um, went to LSU from Wisconsin. So he has a variety of backgrounds. But I think you envision that, like, if that actually would have happened in real life, it might be because, like, Marcus Freeman jumped to something else. Right. And so then. Then you'd be like, oh, Marcus Freeman, like we really liked that guy. He was good, but he took the Ohio State job when Ryan Day went to the NFL. Or Marcus Freeman took the, the Texas job because they threw a bunch of money, whatever it would be, right? And then you'd want what you're describing. Can we just – let's get a guy who's going to be like stately and settle in and like – Marcus Freeman was almost like too dynamic, for us like whether he caught <laughs> he caught everybody else's attention like he succeeded and he had a great personality and so
0: all right well, let, let's let's also take a deep breath and remember that Dave and has won the big 12 and won the sugar bowl like he, no, is, he is plenty dynamic
1: <laughs> we gotta move the guy out if we can move him in but i do i do think that's a i i like that idea because again because we can, it, you could easily get caught up in geography and a Alma maters and that kind of thing, and like Dave Randa is kind of proof of like uh, he
0: he's been in every conference. Practically, right? And so he could coach anywhere. No, and I think that that's actually something that would be a huge advantage for Dave Aranda is he would be able to uh tap in anywhere. Cause like you said, from California, coached in Hawaii, coached in Wisconsin, coached at LSU, coaching at Baylor now, uh, was at Delta State for a little while, a D2 school in Mississippi. So like he, he has connections everywhere. I think that would actually be a good fit for him. One thing, uh, and again, to be clear, I was not rooting for him to leave by any means, but I think it would have been really cool for the university in Los Angeles to be coached by a Hispanic coach. And like, I think that him at USC hmm. would have been a lot of fun. I'm curious if UCLA has a similar vibe if, uh, if they ever decide to move on from Chip Kelly. Um, I, I don't know if it's as fun now that they're going to be doing road trips uh, in, in New Jersey as maybe when they were coaching on the West coast. But uh, you know, the, he's from Southern California, like you mentioned outside of LA. Uh, frankly, at the same time, you know, he hasn't come back there. So maybe he doesn't want to, but I think that there's a lot of different types of programs that would really, really, really benefit from a Dave Veranda.
1: So speaking of the West coast, I have two moves there and then we'll get to the thing that is my last big thing. Okay. One is I was trying to maybe give Kalani Sataki from BYU like a big West Coast job.
0: Sure.
1: And I didn't know like I I put down UCLA. I didn't know maybe it would be Stanford. Maybe it would be Cal. Although is Cal a better job than BYU? I don't know. It's so not. I did. I can
0: tell you it's not.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so like I'm trying to think like again BYU is going into the Big Twelve. He succeeded there in a big way. That's a big time football program. They're going into a Power Five conference. They're going to have every opportunity but I was maybe interested in that, but I was potentially clearing the deck because this is off the radar. Okay. Have we ever truly had a truly great Northeastern football program? Truly great. Like I guess like, and the
0: options are what I guess Boston college, like Doug Flutie. I assume we're not counting central PA, right? I assume we're not counting. No, 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 no. Okay.
1: That's. I'm thinking more like New England, frankly. I, I really mean New England. So you're talking like
0: UMass, UConn. I mean, Dan, or- Dan Orlovsky didn't die in those wrestle Athletic uh, uniforms for you to slander him like this at UConn. So, okay, other than Dan Orlovsky. So here's <laughs> my new, can you
1: create, yeah. could you create sure. a powerhouse football program in a part of the country that's never really had it? Doug Flutie, 1984, notwithstanding. And if you were going to do it, I think you could just decide where you want to have it. And I'm always interested in stuff like this where a place decides. There's a giant booster. There's a president. There's an alumni backing that says, we're going to decide. And we're going to increase the size of the stadium. And we're going to take a jump up in levels. And we're going to do this. I have the novel in the back of my head that's about that. It'd just be for me to read, just like I wrote a story that was only for me to read. But this this is not what the novel would be. But this is the version of this, which is find the New England place where you want to do it. And then Ryan Day is the head coach and he brings his mentor, Chip Kelly, back to be the offensive coordinator. Because they started off in New Hampshire and – Chip Kelly was the offensive coordinator at the University of New Hampshire, and he recruited a guy named Ryan Day to come be his quarterback. They're both from Manchester. They have those roots there. Ryan Day grew up rooting for the Patriots. It's a place where, like, you grow up watching football more on Sundays than on Saturdays because, like, yeah, you watch UNH and UMass and everybody else on Saturdays, but it's a Patriots kind of place. But could you change that? And what an undertaking it would be, and I guess you could try it at Boston College. Where else – I mean, unless you want to get UNH to pony up Right? And say, let's do this thing. But that was my world I was creating where you bring Ryan Day and Chip Kelly, who have been so important to each other's careers, and you let the younger guy be the boss, and Chip Kelly doesn't have to worry about anything else except sitting in a room and dialing it up. And you create a new place of strength in college football where it currently does
0: not exist. So, two things on that front. One fun fact when my wife was six months old and moved to the US from India, of all places, they spent six months in Manchester, New Hampshire, which is just the most. That's where my dad's from. No way! Oh I'm, man, we we yeah. got all these connect. We gotta we gotta get uh, my wife, your dad, and Ryan Day and Chip Kelly. We gotta go on an excursion sometimes, and we can uh, we can just write about it for for our respective publications. It'll be great. Um, that's that's incredibly random, frankly. Uh, that is random. Yeah. the The other part is. You ask the question, you know. Oh, I don't know. C- could you win over uh, pro football fans and get them interested in this? The answer is no. The the answer is just 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 no. I the way that I mean, we again. This is a whole other series of podcasts. This is the book that I would write for just myself. Is like how population patterns and la- and lack of being served by pro sports is so integral to the rise and growth and and passion of college sports, and. The Northeast is the most overserved area of the country for pro sports. Like, you look at a map of all the pro sports teams, there's like 15 in New England. And then, you know, then you go out to like, you know, whatever, Nevada, and there's one and a half, right? Like, it's just that's how this stuff happens. And that's how you build these kind of ties with college programs. Obviously, Alabama being a key among that, right? There's no pro sports uh, other than the, the, minor league baseball team in Birmingham so like everybody just glommed on to the University of Alabama and Auburn so I I just I'd love to see it don't get me wrong I think that would be a lot of fun and certainly if you want two guys who know the Northeast and know New England I mean Chip Kelly and, and Ryan Day are a pretty good starts but I, I just, I, I, I can't, I can't. I mean, that rule want, went to back to back AAC title games at Temple and nobody cared. Nobody cared.
1: No, uh, I know. West Point, West back in the day. I mean, that's, that's upstate New York, but Army football was good once upon a time. But like, it's the whole nation. It was yeah.
0: it's Army. So uh, well, New Hampshire would have a little bit of a war And, and also challenges. Army had so a little right, bit of help by, by being that. able to like prescript the entire country into a world war. But, yeah. you know, that's a whole other thing. Other than that.
1: Don't give Nick Saban <laughs> that idea, by the way. We oh, just no. drafted everybody to play Everybody is
0: now in the Alabama National Guard. You don't even have to live in Alabama <laughs> to make it happen. <laughs> um, so the, the, one of the other ones is it. we do have, I
1: think I, ca- I tried to count out the guys who are currently coaching at their alma mater. Okay. Because that's always an easy thing to do. Because my <laughs> temptation is, if, if a guy's not at his alma mater, I want to move him there. And if a guy is at his alma mater, I want to get him out of there. So I think it's Kirby Smart at Georgia, Mario Cristobal at Miami, Jim Harbaugh at Michigan, Mike Gundy at Oklahoma State, Patrick Gerald at Northwestern, Jonathan Smith at Oregon State, Jeff Brom at Louisville, uh, Brent Key at Georgia Tech, Kalani Sataki at BYU, Kenny Dillingham at Arizona State, and Clark Lee at Vanderbilt, I think is the list as it stands right now. So there's a part of me, I was like, where can we send Jonathan Smith? Because we think Jonathan Smith is good. And it's like, why should he be happy at his alma mater and building something? Let's make him go be the coach at, you know, Oklahoma State right now when Gundy oh goes to Auburn. So <laughs> Go from uh, OSU to OSU? Sure, sure. Yeah. And then there's part of me, it's like Mel Tucker, who's at Michigan State, went to Wisconsin. Luke Fickle, who's at Wisconsin, went to Ohio State. Like, are we going to move everybody around and make them go coach from our alma mater? We can get more creative than that. Which leads us to the place where I want to find a coach. And you don't know who I'm talking about? I don't. Having listened, knowing what I've been interested in in the last year in college football, we got to find a coach for the fighting Iowa Hawkeyes. (laughs) Do we not? Do we not? And the rule, the first rule is none of the candidates can have sons. That's the first rule. Or you're out. <laughs> so the question is, if for if and that's this is going to be an actual thing S- sometime. Yeah. Because Kirk Ferentz has been there for a long time. So Brett Bielema has a Hawkeye tattoo on his leg. He played yes, at Iowa. Yes. He's coached at Wisconsin and Illinois. I think that always lingers. I don't know. The guy, I actually have a real guy who I actually think might be my number one candidate in real life, but there's also a part of me, like I had Tyson Helton for this. It's like, what's the most opposite thing we can do to <laughs> give fans of Iowa football a stinking offense? Can Before I get to my real guy, because he's not necessarily a high-flying offensive guy, Can what could we do? Who could we get into Iowa City to fire it up and light up the scoreboard and try to win not just 25 to 24, but win 55 to 54?
0: Well, I, first of all, I'm fully in support of this plan. Um, are, are we going to get Josh Heupel to Iowa? <laughs> are we going get- to right? That's what can we do? That's Lane Kiffin. What can we do? What can we do? Yeah. No. I mean. One that oh, I uh, one that I would actually like. Although I really like this guy at the place that he's at, Kalen DeBoer to Iowa. I think that he would do a okay. great job there. Uh, he's from South Dakota. I don't really know the geography over there of how how big places are. I'm sure That's can't close. be that far away. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that would be one that would maybe make sense. Um, you know, I, I'm curious if this is the one that you're talking about. Like the entire Stoops family essentially went through Iowa. Uh, and I think that Mark Stoops is still pretty young. I think that, you know, it seems like he's not always the most happy with the way that things are handled uh, at Kentucky. Uh, he kind of feels the squeeze of being at a basketball school. So, uh, Lord knows, with, uh, with Fran McCaffrey at the helm, you never have to worry about basketball competing too much with you. So, that's also a positive.
1: Wow. Just again, <laughs> pointless, be just out of nowhere. So, the question would be part of me wants to just give, like, I, Find the high flyingest offense that you can find, and just give Iowa fans a taste of that. The real guy is Chris Kleiman at Kansas State, who is from Iowa, uh, from Waterloo, Iowa, is had great success at North Dakota State. He went to Northern Iowa. He was an assistant at Northern Iowa for a long time. He's at Kansas State now. He's winning at Kansas State. He's thirty and twenty there in four years, including ten and four and a Big 12 championship this past season. But I do think Iowa's a better job than Kansas State. So, like, I, and he's in his mid-50s. I, th- I think you could do this. And actually, if you're asking me, who do I think will be the next head coach of Iowa when Kirk Ferentz leaves? I actually think it's going to be Chris Kleiman from the outside, because I think a lot of things line up there. This guy wins. And they really probably aren't going to go wild the other way you You know the big twelve. What do you think of this fit?
0: What do you think it'd be like at Iowa? So I think that this begs a really interesting question, which is like you said, being part of the new big two is going to be a big deal. Obviously, you assume that they're going to most likely have the ability to money whip coaches if they choose that that's not to say it'll happen right like i th- I think that it's probably a little overblown how much it'll happen. I think one of the questions that would come up with a situation like this is, if you're Chris Kleiman, first of all, you just won the Big 12. You just played in the Sugar Bowl. Uh, I, I think the question would be, is it enough of a step that you definitely take it? I, I think that if Iowa were to identify Chris Kleiman as their number one candidate right from the start, put the full court press on him, I think that he would take that job. But I think that I think that Kansas State will give him plenty to think about too. Do you get what I'm saying? Like, I think that I think that that's going to be an interesting dichotomy whenever we're talking about sort of these mid-tier SEC and Big Ten jobs going against jobs that maybe you can win higher in other conferences. I'm curious how that ends up ultimately balancing itself out, but I think it would be a fantastic hire on the part uh, of Iowa. I do think if I were Chris Kleiman, I'd also want a, a little bit better administration in there, but that's a conversation for another day. Well, if that whole thing
1: goes south, I mean, I think they're just going to wipe everybody out and start fresh. I, I think Gary Barda may as well be Uncle Gary Ferentz at this point. So, I mean, they're 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 going to start fresh, and they probably need to start fresh whenever that time comes. Unless this whole maybe plan for this year works great, maybe it will. <laughs> so, I, I do think that is one of those things where it's not like Chris Kleiman is so established at Kansas State that it'd be like, ah, oh, I can't leave. You know, like oh, this no, would be. Oh no! I can't
0: believe it, Chris Kleiman, I don't believe in football anymore. <laughs>
1: yeah and, and I don't know his story enough other than to know he's from Iowa. he He went to northern Iowa. I, I have to imagine that the University of Iowa means something to him and so and this is one of those jobs like this job doesn't come open, man. This is like 60 years two head coaches. so like you better if you, if you if you're interested, you better go now. and by the way, this is again one of these jobs. sometimes it's very hard to figure out what's a job and what's a person. Right? I think we, we, you had that with Joe Paterno in Penn State. You, have that, you had that with Bobby Bowden in Florida State to some degree. Like, well, how much are, is the success of the program tied up in the individual? Is it really like Tom Osborne in Nebraska, right? And they had Bob Devaney. The other people had succeeded there, right? So um, I, I do think maybe the opposite has happened here, that Hayden Fry and Kirk Ferentz were so successful at a certain level for so long, I think it's possible that Iowa's an even better job than we realize. And that if you gave Iowa, I don't even know who the equivalent would be, like just a great, if you gave Iowa Kirby Smart, like what would happen? It's like, I don't know. Like they might be one of the 10 best teams in the country, right? Because they're, they really, it, Iowa, really, you're talking about places where there's no pro sports and people love the college program. I was, may as well be 100%. Iowa's like Alabama when it yeah, comes to that. 100%. That's what Iowa is. That is a full state invested in that. And you still have enough of a recruiting base around you that you can go find some players. And so I think it's possible we underestimate what Iowa is because it's been so defined by two people for so long. So I think it would be a, an incredible opportunity. I think a lot of people would go after it and I think they'll get a good coach, which is, again, goes back to why are you afraid? Don't be afraid, <laughs> Iowa. Realize who and what you are and that somebody great's going to want that job whenever it's open.
0: So, so two parts of this. So one, I think that a lot of these historic big 10 West programs are going to be looking very closely at Wisconsin. Because this is a program that is deviating from its legacy and certainly even more so by Luke Fickle hiring Phil Longo. Luke Fickle was actually somebody that I thought about a lot, but I was like, man, this is kind of the Luke Fickle getting, you know, the Cincinnati to Wisconsin thing is kind of a version of this. So, um. But I think a lot of these programs are going to be watching very closely. I think that, uh, certainly I was going to be probably chief among them, but even, even I think like a Northwestern is going to be looking and seeing, you know, when we move off of what we know, can we progress or are we better off just being the way that we were? I, I think it's going to be an interesting question. Uh, the second part of this is, well, you know, if you want a coach who was born in the state of Iowa and played college football in the state of Iowa, just got to go down to the city of Houston and we got to get Dana Holgerson up to the university of Iowa, the most unstable man in college football to the most stable program in college football. I can't wait. That might be what I want. He's really from (laughs) Iowa. Yeah, he was, he born and raised in Davenport, Iowa went to his, his first college uh, that he went to was St. Ambrose university, which is in Davenport. And then he transferred to, uh, to Iowa Wesleyan, which people might know as uh, one of the programs run by the great Hal Mummy uh, as the air raid was was uh, oh, being created. Yeah. he was actually a, I believe, a receiver on that team. There's a great book called The Perfect Pass that uh, that people should definitely check out. It's a fantastic book about the creation of the air raid. But yeah, Dana Holgerson, Iowa native. No, that's so. That's what I'm
1: talking about. That's somebody who's gonna chuck it around. Yeah. So let's do that. Houston was eighth in the nation in passing offense last year with Dana Holgerson. Okay, I'm in. All right, sorry, Chris. <laughs> hey, you seem qualified, but Iowa <laughs> wants to chuck it around. Okay. Um, hey, Dana, uh, just real quick, I mean, again, congratulations on getting the Iowa job. Just why what,
0: what did you think of that whole 25 points per game thing?
1: <laughs> That's pretty crazy.
0: Right? So, so, do do I get a lifetime contract if I get to twenty five a game? How does this work? <laughs> like,
1: oh man. So I do think I, this this accomplished. Like, I hope we hit one. I, I hope we're so. back in a year or two, and I hope we hit one because I think we would have. This is the kind of thing. It's like you get into this stuff and say, like, "I hope we do this every year," because maybe would we would have hit Luke Wickle Luke Wickle. Luke <laughs> Fickle to Wisconsin. <laughs> Jeez. If his name was Luke Wickle, we really would have said it. he's got to be. I would have at least his last name starts with a W. He's got to go to Wisconsin. Luke <laughs> w- 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 Wickle, the Wisconsin coach. <laughs> <laughs> Way to go, w- Luke <laughs> w- Wickle, the Wisconsin coach. Lincoln Riley to USC, Mario Cristobal to Miami. I just think we would we would have hit Jeff Brom to Louisville. We would have hit at least one of those.
0: I just, I just again maybe Steve Sarkeesian works maybe this is the year that things like start going uh I've mentioned before Steve Sarkeesian has never had a season in his whole coaching career which I believe is up to nine years where he hasn't lost at least four games in a season but let's let's just say it doesn't work if they hire one of these bland coaches again after all of this like come on you talk about all the time how you're Texas you you fired or, or uh, the, your national championship winning coach retired and you whiffed on everybody and then you hired the pretty nice Louisville coach and then like Tom Herman I think was actually a really good hire and then it's like this this is it this is what you're firing yeah. dudes for at this point Steve Sarkeesian hasn't been as good as Tom Herman who wasn't even that awesome like you can't, I will lose my mind if they go and hire another bland, unproven coach. Like, I, I just, you, you're Texas, man. Like, you got to do yeah. something. Act you can't like just Texas. sit there. You Act can't like just Texas. sit there while Texas A&M goes and hires Jimbo Fisher. And we can, we can laugh about how that's working out. But, like, they went and hired Jimbo Fisher. You hired Steve Sarkeesian, man. Come on.
1: Yeah. No, I, th- I think that's right. And I think that could be, I, that's not fanciful to me. That yep. we, both, we both suggested it. Dabo to Texas is not impossible in my yeah. head. Okay, yeah. I, this was – we accomplished, I think, what we <laughs> want to accomplish. We wind up talking about both programs, and I think you, you explained it well. Some of them, you're thinking about the coach, and some of them, you're thinking about the program. And I do think then that's how you have to do this because you wind up sometimes with matches where if you just think about it for a second, you'd be like, ah, nah. But then if you think about it for five seconds, you're like, you know what? I actually could see that. And I think Lincoln Riley to Oklahoma from Oklahoma to USC is a perfect example of that. Thanks to Lincoln Riley for the idea. We'll be back later this week with a second version of the College Football Survivor Show. For now, for Shahan J. Hiraja, I'm Doug Maurice, and that was the College Football Survivor Show. The College Football Survivor Show, where playoff survival is always on the line.